0: Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today serving. G'day and welcome to Voice of the Church. This month we'll be studying the book of James and my name is Pastor Greg Bilsma. I'll be bringing God's word to you as we work our way through this wonderful epistle. In each epistle that God writes, He has a purpose for us. In the book of James, James helps the church understands how God is at work in the midst of trial. As an individual, I enjoy going for the odd run, and I found in times past that my running times weren't getting much faster. I wasn't as quick as I used to be. And a friend of mine who's a running coach said he knew the secret for how to get my times faster. Intrigued, I asked him, what is it? How do I run faster? And his answer was this, move your feet quicker. Yeah, that, that was the answer. And in the end, it actually did benefit. I realized one of the reasons I didn't run quite so fast was simply because I refused to push. I refused to work harder during my runs. Well, today we're beginning a topic on how God uses trials in our lives. How God uses difficulties. In the past number of years, we've all seen firsthand some of the trials that God has allowed to enter our lives. It is possible that more are yet to come. We are told to realize that there will be difficulties in these last days as we await the coming of Christ. How does God work in these times, and what is God's plan? We begin studying the book of James today, in James chapter 1. The author of the book of James is a brother to Jesus, a man who is actually a half-brother to our Lord and Savior. He is mentioned uh, in the Bible in Matthew 13, verse 55. And the intriguing thing about James is how it begins. Let's begin reading this book, James 1, verse 1. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, Greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I want you to hear those opening words of our letter, James, a bondservant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ. The intriguing thing about this man, this author, this man named James, is that he was not always a bondservant of God or of the Lord Jesus Christ. No, he was literally a half-brother to the Savior, a half-brother to Jesus. As you go through the gospel account, you find that there are times when even his own family did not believe in him. One of those times comes in John chapter 7. There is a feast in Jerusalem, and the brothers begin to almost tease Jesus, almost mock him, encouraging him to go up to the feast because he wants to be known openly, so he should do things openly as well. And in John 7 verse 5, we read these words for even his brothers did not believe in him. Even his brothers did not believe in him. That includes the man who writes this letter, who is now being introduced to us as a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. What happened? What happened to take James from someone who thought little of his brother, who thought perhaps he was a little bit mad, to all of a sudden realizing that what his brother had been teaching was true, that Jesus was the Son of God who takes away the sin of the world? What happened? The Bible tells us that James saw the risen Christ. It's a beautiful testimony. It comes in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 7, where we read of how Jesus, after his resurrection, he appeared first to Peter, and then to the twelve, and then to over 500 at once, and then it says this, and then he appeared to James. He appeared to Peter, he appeared to his apostles, the Twelve, and then he appeared to James. James is listed as one who saw the resurrected Christ. And that is the beginning of the entire walk of faith for James. That is why he is now writing to us a letter to tell us how to handle trials, how God uses trials in the lives of his people. And that's where you and I need to begin. We need to begin by realizing if we're going to understand how God uses trials in our lives... We have to see that God has ordained to use the brokenness of this world and the reality of sin for his glory. That even the enemy, that great serpent of old, the devil, will not be able to undo or stop the work of God, nor will our sin. But to the contrary, God will use all that occurs in this life, all the ups, all the downs, to grow his people in Christ and call the lost to himself. And of course, we see that most beautifully at the cross of Christ. When the devil thought he had his greatest victory. When the devil thought he had his greatest triumph. And we see the Son of God laying down his life to redeem lost sinners. And the church being founded. James is going to tell us about how God uses trials. And yet to understand that, we first must understand what it means to be found in that finished work of Jesus Christ to confess with James that we are now bond servants of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. As we begin our talk today, I want to encourage you to know what it means to follow Jesus. I want to encourage you to learn what it means to become a child of God through faith in the Son of God who has been crucified for your sin and who has risen victorious over the grave. When we have that foundation, then we can see the beauty of what God does in our hurting, in our struggles, in the world when it just doesn't make sense to us. As we continue on, James is writing to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. This is a way of speaking oftentimes in the Old Testament of the nation of Israel. Those twelve tribes of Israel that were scattered abroad at different times, once under the captivity of the Assyrians, once under the captivity of the Babylonians. These twelve tribes had been God's people, and due to their sin, they had been tossed out of the Promised Land. They had been sent to all corners of the earth. And now James is taking that same language, that same concept, and he's applying it, not first and foremost to the Jews, not first and foremost to the nation of Israel, but he's applying it to the people of God. I want you to notice right here that God in his sovereign plan sometimes allows his people to be scattered. In the beginning of Acts chapter 8, Luke writes for us these words, At that time a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. It's a beautiful testimony. It comes after the death of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. It's a reminder that as the church begins and as the witness of the gospel goes forward, it met with conflict from the very beginning. And as a result, the church, those who testified, those who found their life in Christ, those who loved Jesus, because of their love for Christ, because of the opposition of the enemy, they were scattered they were separated, they were turned aside. In the two years that have passed of COVID, all of us have experienced different levels of scattering, different levels of being separated from brothers and sisters in the Lord who we find encouragement from and strength from and share fellowship with. Whatever the trial God allows us to face, this is in the sovereign hand of an almighty God. And God continues to speak to his church and use his church and have plans for his people. We see that right off the beginning in the book of James. Let's delve a little more deeply then into the opening words of this chapter before us, as we've had the inscription of seeing who is writing, as we've seen who he's writing to, and recognize the idea of trial from the very beginning. James launches into this as his first topic and focus of this book. In fact, the idea comes through in many ways. He says, "'My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials.'" As you go through the book of James, James will address many different situations. He'll address the idea of temptation that will hit later this month. The idea of the trial of finding ourselves tempted either by our own sinful nature, our own sinful thoughts, or tempted by living in a world that simply constantly plays to that which is evil. I don't know if you've noticed more in the passing years of how our world has embraced increasingly A understanding of life that denies the scriptures and fights against what God says is true. If you're listening to this station today, if you're hearing this message, and you are watching the world around you change in ways you don't understand, I'll I'll let you know the secret. They are fighting against the holy God. And therefore there is increased trouble, increased difficulty in the world. James says one of these trials can be temptation. That you are encouraged to do what is evil, encouraged to do what is wrong. That's one of the trials James will hit. He'll hit the idea of oppression. He'll hit the idea of discrimination, partiality between rich and poor and how the rich may drag Christians and the poor themselves into court. He'll hit concepts of slander when someone speaks against you behind your back and says things that are not true. He'll hit the idea of how we can become lovers of worldly things, pursuing our treasure as if this world is all there is and forgetting that God has made us for something far greater. He'll hit that concept as a trial. He'll hit the idea of sickness. In the last couple of years, I'm sure we've all seen something of sickness. We had a dear member of our church, a godly Christian man, blessed to reach retirement age and in God's sovereign plan face cancer that took his life within five or six months james says of all these things my brethren counted all joy when you fall into various trials whether it's persecution temptation illness poverty whatever it might be james calls us to realize there is a joy in the trial now james is not striking a note of rudeness He's not coming alongside someone who is suffering and and find their life turned upside down, someone who's just lost a loved one and saying, shouldn't this be a joy? He's not saying we go along to those who have been just diagnosed with cancer and say, you should be rejoicing that you have cancer. That's not the idea. To the contrary, James says we count something joy. We don't count the trial joy, but to the contrary, we count it Joy, because we know that behind the trial is a God who's still at work. Notice the verses and how they play out here. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. James points our eyes behind the trial to where a sovereign God is still at work, to where a sovereign God still has a plan and is working out his ends in the midst of struggle. And this is the opening of our talk, and just the first point we wanted to draw out, that when we think about God's work in trials, we begin with understanding the significance of how God will work in a sinful world through Christ for the glory of his name. We understand how this trial comes to all the church, The entire church, every child of God who calls on the name of Jesus will face struggle. This trial is, in a sense, on the entire world as everyone faces the effects of sin. But how James wants us to realize behind the trial, behind the struggle, whatever that struggle might be, there is a sovereign God who is at work to do something glorious in the midst of your affliction. He is at work to work in you and strengthen you and encourage you and glorify His name even though we may not understand it. This means that in the midst of the hardship, Christian church is called not to give up, not to lose hope, not to grow discouraged. It means the same for you. The God who called James to write these words gave his Son upon the cross to be the redemption, the Savior for all who would turn their face to him in faith. He gave his son to suffer the agony of hell so that when we go through our trials, God might use them not unto condemnation, but for good. And As we consider the topic of trials this month, we begin with understanding this, that trials are something God has allowed every person to face. But in Christ, God promises he is using them for good, and therefore we are to count it joy, no matter what that trial may be. As we continue our study on the book of James, it is our prayer that God will help us to see how God works in the midst of trial to strengthen his people and glorify his name and how we can be by God's grace more than conquerors in the midst of hardship through him who loved us. The Lord's blessings and have a great day.